Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone. When you lead from a base of expertise, your confidence and credibility are derived from your knowledge. People follow you as a result. However, when you take a stretch assignment and span outside of your comfort zone, leading requires a different approach. One of influence, inspiration, compromise, and courage. We are here to talk about how to take that next step and keep going. Now, here is your host, Wanda Wallace. Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone. Introverts, that's what we're talking about today. And if you are an introvert, then you may question how to be more effective in a world that values outspoken, spontaneous, and charismatic people. And you may have gotten feedback like, you need to be more extroverted, you need to be have greater executive presence, you need more gravitas. But we want to talk today about the real strengths that you have as an introvert and how do you take advantage of those. Now, equally importantly, if you're a leader who is not an introvert, then you need to know how to get the best out of the team members who are different from you. And in that case, people who are introverted. So how do you create the culture that's going to support everyone on your team? And that's our focus for today. My guest is Jennifer Ken Waller. She's an author and one of the top global leadership experts or speakers on introverts. And she's committed to supporting individuals and organization to harness the power that introverts have. She's got several groundbreaking books on The Introverted Leader, which is in its second edition, Quiet Influence, The Genius of Opposites, and her latest work is called Creating Introvert-Friendly Workspaces. And we're actually going to talk about several of these books all simultaneously. I should say that Jennifer has delivered a lot of speeches to organizations like Merck, NASA, Bosch, the American Chemical Society, CDC, She's done TEDx talks. She's done in the U.S. Embassy in Vietnam. She's been featured in New York Times and in the Wall Street Journal. Um, so Jennifer has an awful lot of experience and a lot of background on this topic. I'm thrilled to have you. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Oh, Wanda, it is really an honor to be on your show. I love it. I really love it. Thank you very much. I'll take any compliments on any given day. <laughs> That's excellent. Before... <laughs> The way I always like to get started with my guest is to talk about what got you started on this journey. So what's the question you were really trying to address? You've been at this for a while. So what was that all about? Yeah, you know, uh, I really, I guess I'll start just briefly with what got me started, Wanda. And that was really, you know, where a lot of our interests start is with our families and our friends. And uh, I was realized early on in my relationship with my parents, soon to be husband that my I was married to an introvert and I was fortunate because back in the day that I started doing my coaching and counseling I was given I was exposed to something called the Myers-Briggs so I learned about introverts and I realized a lot of people didn't know about that and I at that time I recognized Wanda that I was an extrovert I, I went down the characteristics I took the assessment and it was very helpful to me. Um, I laugh. I kind of jokingly say my husband back then was still listening to me. So he was kind of open to the uh, understanding. It, it provided a nice lens early on for our relationship. And as I started getting more involved in the working world, I was kept coming across um, introverts who I was supporting in my work and, work and finding that they were overlooked and ignored and misunderstood, and it didn't matter whether it was in education or technology or government. A lot of the places I worked in, both internally and externally, I kept being frustrated by the fact that they weren't recognized. And so the question that I have been trying to address is, it's actually twofold, is how can 
introverts value what they bring to the table, which is so incredible, the traits that they have. And uh, at the same time, how can our organizations and our workplaces unleash that talent that oftentimes we are missing? So it's sort of a twofold question that got me started on that journey. Such a great question. Uh, like you, I see lots of introverts in the world, and historically, I've heard many leaders and a lot of coaches say that if you're an introvert, well, you're never going to be an effective leader. And I have to tell you from my own experience, that is just not true. I've seen some amazing CEOs, people I admire who've done great things for their companies, who are introverts by nature. Absolutely. They learn to take advantage of it. They learn to make it work. But I don't think there's anything that keeps you from leadership in spite of some of the mythology that we have been told all along. Now, Jennifer, we have been talking about introverts like everybody listening has the exact same opinion. So can you just define how what you mean by introverts first? Mm, I, love, I love your thoughts on this. Uh, yeah, well, the, it, it really comes, I come from the old school definition, which has morphed for me as well, Wanda, and that is around energy and that... You know, introverts get their energy from being inside themselves, from taking quiet time. That's really the bottom line. And, you know, extroverts get their energy from being outside and being stimulated by people. Now, that said, that's a very uh, rigid definition. I think really what we've come to learn, and in doing this work for over 12 years, it's, uh, I mean, writing about it, what I've really learned from my clients and my readers uh, and being out in the world is it is a spectrum. And uh, we also, it's about how much stimulation we can take. You know, even extroverts flame out <laughs> after a while, right? Um, and introverts, it's, but introverts must have, they must have that decompression time because what that does is it does two things. It allows them to do their best thinking and contribute in the best way possible, but it also helps them to recharge so that they can then come back into the world and give you, give you their all. Uh, so those, those are sort of the kind of the overview. Uh, that's really sort of the overview of the difference. And I think when I ask people that question of, you know, must you, like for you, Wanda, must you have that downtime? Is it a must-have or is it a nice-to-have? And extroverts will tell you, oh, I like to meditate. I like to get away. I like to take a walk. Um, but ex- introverts won't even hesitate. They'll say absolutely yes. So that, that to me, has become kind of what I call the, the deal-breaker question, if you will. Right. So I have to ask a technical question about this one. Um, I did a a crazy thing this summer. I reread with a group of people Young's personality type book, not Mm -hmm. for the faint of heart, trust me. And in in doing that, (laughs) don't don't take it too seriously. It was a painful journey. Um, And I was listening to other experts talk about this one. But my understanding about Jung's original distinction on extrovert and introvert is that we all do some extroverted things and some introverted things. The question is, what's primary? And is that your understanding, too, today in your experience? Yeah, absolutely. And that is what I observe. People identify. Either they identify with one or the other or... They say I'm both, you know, and I think you and I talked about this earlier. It's sort of like some people don't even want to, like they say, no, I'm not an introvert. I'm not an extrovert. But as you get more familiar with this, you you sort of tend to realize, okay, you know, that I do identify with one or the other. And I think the very cool thing that Jung said, bringing up Carl Jung, who was a 
for those people who don't know, he was a Swiss uh, psychoanalyst. How do you say it? Psychoanalyst? Right. He was a psychologist who specialized in psychoanalysis, and he started to see patterns in his in his various patients and catalog those. And then, of course, the, the Myers-Briggs came out, out later, many years later, um, and it, it was around um, coming, exploding those types and having more categories as well. So not to box people in, but to give them more of a language, you know, so that they identify. Um, but, but I think what Jung said that I always felt was a, made a lot of sense. Uh, he said exactly what you said, of course, but he also said when uh, we go into the second half of life, I believe he said 50 and above, that's very optimistic, right, that we're going to 100, but um, if we go into the second half of life, we really do start to balance and go into the other side more. And uh, I, I've seen many examples of this in both myself and many people that I know and my clients is, you know, they get in touch uh, with that other side of themselves. Have you, is that something you observed as well? I haven't observed it nearly as much as I think Young wrote about it. Um, I see it in uh-huh. a few people, but you know, Young's whole argument, yeah. and I, let me back mm-hmm. up for this one. Myers-Briggs or MBTI, most people will know as an assessment that turns mm-hmm. returns your um, type, and it will give you four letter codes, the first of which is either E for extrovert or I for introvert. And Myers-Briggs is built on the back of what Jung was observing as psychological type. So they take his definition of extrovert and introvert and some others as well. And Jung's argument was always that the development journey is to get more comfortable with the part that is not your dominant style. At least that's my understanding of Jung. So I think in theory, and I certainly do see some people, but I see an awful lot of people who just remain true to type. That is their preference and it stays their preference. Um, And I don't want to get too technical on this one. I think a lot of people are afraid to say they're extrovert or introvert because they're afraid of the um, connotations that go for one or the other. So, for the record, <laughs> let me ask you, what's good about yeah. introverts? Yeah, and I, and I just want to um, say one thing about that, about self-identifying. I think part of the issue with that that I see, uh, Wanda, is really about not understanding what an introvert yes. is. And there has yes. been such a pejorative uh you know, theme in our cultures about introversion as being a negative that people see it, mix it up with shy, and it's a very, it, it's got a lot of confusion. So I think that's just to, to say why, you know, people have said, like earlier you said, well, can you be an introvert and a leader? And people used to say to me, that's an oxymoron. How could you, how could you be an introvert? You know, so there's so many negative stereotypes. So I think that's one of the reasons people push back. Um, but I haven't found very much with extroverts that they don't, want to identify that they are they seem to be proud of that because that's in my experience that's been, you know that's the prevailing or the dominant personality type in our western culture so i think this is an this is an article waiting to be written here i love your, your thoughts on it um so i think um saying, extroverts sometimes we think they're too loud too dominant too um yeah, outspoken that's, it depends on the I'm sorry, yeah, it depends on the culture, right? And maybe, like, for instance, where you are sometimes at London living, you know, that that's seen as kind of a negative if you're too loud, you know, in certain workplace cultures. I'd, I'd have to ask you that. But you're absolutely right. It, it, it does, uh, both of them have a lot of baggage still with them, and that's partly my journey now is to do some more 
clarity and education, and let's just get a better understanding. It's it's not, you know, it's not discreet these titles, but they are. Um, there are tendencies, there are preferences, and when you start to identify with one or the other, I don't know if you've had this experience, but when I first learned that I was an extrovert, a lot made sense. A lot made sense about my prior life growing up as well. So I, yeah. I think that people oftentimes will say that. Okay. All right. So let's dig into the details a little bit. Um, so we understand what introverts are and that they have to have that decompression time. They have to get their energy from drawing inward as opposed to engaging the outward world. So what is it that's so good? What are the strengths of introverts? What should, why should we be focusing on their bright sides? So many, so many. Well, to start with, they're incredible listeners. Uh, and when I say listening, it's not just, uh, you know, passively sitting there. It's what we know as, engage, I call it engaged listening, or it's called active listening. It's the kind of thing you're doing now when you summarize what I'm saying. You know, that's, that's a real strength. And in this day and age... We really, that's something we lack at a lot of levels. Um, they go deep. These are just a few of the few of the key strengths that introverts have. They go deep. And when I say go deep, there's depth with people and relationships. Um, they don't necessarily like a lot of superficial small talk. They like to get to know people. That said, they don't care about having multitudes of quote-unquote friends. You know what I mean? They're deeper relationships. As well as um, deep depth with uh, versus breath. In terms of the ideas, you know, they, they don't have a lot of what we call plate spinning. You know, they, they go deep on a project rather than sort of skim the surface. Now, don't get me wrong. There's, uh, there's good positive qualities for doing the, you know, being able to move around in a lot of directions, too. And, uh, but I think that's a real strength that they have that, that introverts bring to the table. Um, they also, a couple more things, they're calm and show humility and are humble. Uh, they they recognize uh, that it's helpful oftentimes to share their thoughts in writing. And I found when I was researching uh, quiet influencers, how do they make a difference using their strengths? Uh, and Wanda, one of the things uh, that I noticed or the, the traits was writing that came up a lot. And they say, you know, I, I write down my ideas for number one for, so I can get clear about how I feel about a position or a project. And then I number two, I share them those ideas with people uh, in writing, and I give people a chance to react, and they prefer that too, by the way. And uh, I didn't mention preparation. That is probably besides taking quiet time and taking breaks, so they can um, do their best thinking and come up with creative inspiration and and all kinds of things. They also prepare, and preparation for an introvert is just sort of the ace. In the whole, because extroverts don't tend to prepare as much, so uh, preparation gives introverts uh, confidence. You know, before going into a speech or you know a challenging conversation, um, and it also means that they uh, their output is, is strong because they've done the, the pre work. Now they've done the pre work, so uh, I think you, we probably can all think of examples of those. Right? Can I tell a funny story? <laughs> One of my favorites Absolutely. about this it's your one. show. It's your show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm stealing it from this. This is one of my favorite stories about this one. As I was working with a group of people um, in a partnership business, and we were talking about the Myers Briggs and his impact on communication. We were talking about extrovert, introvert, and so one of the people in the room pops up and says, "How on earth can you make a client connection if you're not extroverted?" 
I mean, you go in, you never know what the clients want to talk about. You have to be quick on your feet, react to almost anything, and off you go. Now, I happen to be knowing that there were some very good client experts sitting in the room who were introverts. So I turned to one of them and said, well, how do you do it? And the individual responded with, not like that. They responded with, I do a lot of preparation. I'm never Uh going to go in the meeting unprepared for what that client might be interested in, what's going on in their business, blah, 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 blah. I'm not going to, quote, unquote, wing it. Five minutes later, the extrovert pipes up and says, oh, you know, I really do blow some meetings because I'm not prepared. Mm. Ah, I guess we need both types is the answer at the end of the day. But that one has always stuck with me about the difference. Both make great connections. They just do it in a different mm-hmm. way. Yes. And, and you'd have to, you have to ask yourself, what's the result that they each get? You know, and the real ultimate is when we can get the two of them working together. Because uh, I work with sales teams where we have introverts and extroverts, and I've seen beautiful combinations when they know how to leverage each of those strengths. You know, they can really have tremendous success. So that's why it's so, going back to what we said earlier, why it's so important to understand these concepts so we can then work with them like another language that we have. Right. Okay, so just to repeat the strengths, everybody captures this one, that they are incredibly, and I love your word, engaged listeners, that they will go deep, both on people and relationships, as well as ideas. Not having a lot of plates spinning, they sort of tend to pick the ones that have a lot of value, I think is the right answer. They are calm. They can show humility. Um, They find that it's helpful to share their thoughts and writing. They do it for themselves and they do it for other people. Um, And then they invite reactions. And they will go Mm -hmm. into meetings, into events, into talks, prepared because the preparation is what gives them confidence and they also need breaks because with breaks that's the time that they decompress and they do their best thinking okay Uh so how do we uh, let's talk about influence for a minute you know ultimately i think every decision in business comes down to our ability to influence people to see my way of thinking or to do what i think is most important how do introverts use their strengths to influence? Well, I think that's a great, you know, I looked at that question, uh, Wanda, because when I wrote The Introverted Leader, we, I was looking at more from management skills that you were developing. I wrote a lot of emerging leaders were asking for that, for that. But as we look at influence, as you know, in working in organizations, it's up, down, across, I mean, and outside. You're working with customers, clients. So, so I wanted to see what did introverts do to be successful and to build on what you were saying. Um, and the bottom, the big idea was they stopped trying to be extroverts to influence, you know, and the loud sort of rah-rah, let's motivate everybody, let's make it happen, you know, that kind of thing. So that was one big takeaway that I had because I interviewed in depth, and I do this with most of my books, the the people who were deemed to be influencers all across the map. And so they built on those strengths. So they did those things I talked about. They listened, they prepared, uh, they developed. One of the ones I didn't mention was focused conversations. So they they go around and they find out, first of all, we talk about how that works with listening. So let's say they have an initiative that they want to want to put forward in a company. And by the way, they, they influence by doing, you know, challenging the status quo. Maybe it's provoking new ideas. But they have an idea that they want to uh, get adopted or get some, uh, you know, get some buy-in on. 
um, they will listen to a number of different stakeholders. They will um, take that information and then kind of move into both writing, you know, as I said, kind of summarize that the way you've been summarizing. And then they go into these conversations with those key stakeholders. And, you know, we've always, we always hear about, right, the meeting before the meeting one. I know you're familiar with that term, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're really good at that because, again, that works with their preparation skill. They're not going to go into a meeting where they have to present an idea uh, and then go in without, you know, preparing. And part of that preparation is understanding where the resistance is in some of those key relationships. So the fact that they're introverts and they're patient and they take the time to do this. Now, you can't always when there's, you know, a lot of deadlines and things, but they, they typically they'll accelerate that model. And I heard example after example of, of where this occurred. And one other strength that I found was used by a young man named Sheila, who uh, was working at Turner at the time, and he's gone on to a great career. He, he used social media early on. He was trying to get buy-in for a cause that he felt very strongly about. And so he used LinkedIn to really thoughtfully address, you know, and, and gather some uh, supporters. And he was able to really write about that and, and did a tremendous job. He was actually putting uh, people into city government here in Atlanta and diversifying the base. And he was very successful with that, Sheila Abrams. So I followed people like that. It's like, how do they do it quietly but so impactfully? And so that, that, that taught me a lot of lessons that I was then able to you know, pass on in the books and, and to my clients. That makes a lot of sense to me. So I get the image of somebody who's going to think carefully about the idea. Their arguments are going to be pretty well positioned. They're going to have a good framework, and they're going to come in and put that idea out, either in writing or some other format. And then imagine that they are going on sort of a listening exercise to say, what are people really concerned about? Mm-hmm. And hear it. Take it on board right. as opposed to bluster it away or shout it down or Hopefully cheer right, it shout. on, you know. Mm-hmm. Take it on, take those ideas, those criticisms on board and come back and say, in effect, look, I've thought about what you've said, blah, 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 blah. How would this work or what about that? I can imagine they might be good negotiators because yes. they would yeah. do such a great job at listening. Okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Absolutely, for, for sure. And, and we can all take lessons from that because in, in the research on influence, we know, right, that, that the ideas that do get adopt, adopted through changes and, you know, in times like now are not the ones that we try to ram through. That always comes back to, uh, you know, to haunt us or to not have uh, success. So these are all strengths that we can learn from introverts. And just because we've been doing it sort of the extroverted way much of the time in our companies, you know, this is kind of the point that I, is part of the point I'm trying to make is let's look at some other strategies, right, that that uh, right. people that have different temperaments than us are using, and let's learn from that, incorporate that into our approaches. So it's very exciting to look at how we can not just become, you know, more well-rounded, as we were talking about earlier, individually, but really make a difference in the results that we get in our workplace. Absolutely. Well, and I could imagine somebody who's on the receiving end who is more introverted would appreciate a more introverted style. They want to be heard. They want to be listened to. They want their thoughts to be taken seriously. They want some depth. Um, And I can equally imagine somebody who's more extroverted will respond to a more extroverted style. Okay, let me move to something you 
touch on really briefly, and that's this notion of inspiration. So uh, everywhere I go, every CEO is saying, I need people who can inspire. And I believe it's important. Uh I don't think it's the only thing, but I think it's really important. How do introverts inspire? What's their secret sauce? Mm. Well, you kind of, yeah, that's so interesting that, that you're hearing that a lot about inspiration. You know, I think it's, we learn most, I've always believed, from the people around us who we observe and who we see. And I know you do a lot of work with women, and that's always been something that, as a woman myself, looking for women who do it the way I want to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. And what I found in my recent work on, on effective uh, leaders, I mean, I've been studying introverted leadership for many years, but I looked at it this time in terms of the context of the company and how it's making a difference organizationally. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what I see is the same thing that we've seen for years, and, and that's the point being that um, we we learn from those models. So it's inspirational. For instance, we had a woman that I studied at Merck, uh, Caroline McGregor, who's rising up the ladder, and she she really identifies with the, the term introvert in this point in her life. She realizes how much of her success has been, and her challenges, have been from taking that part of her personality and leveraging it. So she put together a actual, I'll give you just an example, because I think when you talk about inspiration, this to me kind of stands out as one key example. And that is she goes around the company, and she's still doing this, talking about her journey on introversion and why introversion is so important to look at and to consider. And if you are introverted, you should own that. You shouldn't try to be somebody else. And so, you know, I can say that I can come in and do a training program and get paid money for it, you know, and and, uh, and leave, but it's not going to be the same uh, if, you know, hearing it from somebody like uh, Caroline, who's, you know, um, who identifies with being a woman in a male-dominated company, who's from another country, most of all, she says she's an introvert. So when you talk about inspiration, I, I, that's really where I go to, um, you know, Wanda, is I really think about individuals who do that. Is, is that something, do you have a different take on that, on inspiration? Actually, I don't. Um, I think it's an interesting <laughs> question, and one we haven't unpacked adequately either, is what it is that creates yeah. inspiration. And I believe yeah. inspiration yeah, well, I is I a large part of drawing people to me, to my personality, yeah. and to my mm-hmm. view of the world. And if I'm well, introverted, I, think- I need to use those introverted qualities and own those because that's part of what is draw, going to draw people to me. I think there's something about owning what is your real strength and knowing it that is inspiring. Yeah. Does that make sense to you? Yes, it does. It does. And I think you know, I, when you're talking, I just thought about, you know, just now the opportunity that uh, people are saying, I'm, I'm reading that there's people are being positive about the amount of engagement that they feel in their companies. The, per- the percentages have gone up <laughs> in terms of how yep. engaged they are. I don't know if Gallup is going to do another poll, but I, I suspect that some of that too is because they're hearing from leaders who are, you know, talking to them from their kitchens with their kids running around. And, uh, you know, they're saying, I could, I can relate to these people. They're like me and they understand and have empathy, you know? And so I think it, a lot of times it does come down you know, to those to those relationships, to does that person care about me? I had a, a guy that I profiled an introverted leader who used to, I called him, how's your mama conversation. I've had some of my readers say that to me, you know. Oh, well, I like those how's your mama conversation because it was in a Southern manufacturing plant. He, he remembered that the, 
the workers, the mother had been ill the year before, and he's like, how's your mama? And he had those kind of connections with people. So I think, again, it you know, comes to the one-on-ones and, and people seeing that you're real and, and building a, a climate of trust. Right, right. Well, the underpinning for all of that is that people feel that they've been listened to. They can't be cared about if they don't listen to, and that's coming back to another strength of introverts here. So now you're selling me, even though I'm an extrovert, without any doubt, um, you're selling me on the power of introverts here in a whole host of ways, which is fabulous. All right, Jennifer, this is a perfect moment for a break. So my guest today is Jennifer Conweiler. We've been talking about introverted leaders, their ability to listen deeply as engaged, to go deep on both relationships and ideas, to be calm, to show humility, to share their thoughts in writing, to do preparation, 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 and the need to take breaks, which is where they do their greatest thinking and time to decompress. Now, we've talked a little bit about how introverted leaders do inspiration and influence. But when we come back, I want to talk about um, Jennifer's latest book, which is How Do We Create a Culture That Supports Introverts? And if you're a leader, this is a particular part for you. We'll be right back. If you want more information on the articles, books, coaching, and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. You're sure to find some helpful links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, Inc., helping organizations get it and keep it. This is Wanda Wallace, host of Out of the Comfort Zone. Do you find yourself in a role where your team knows more than you know? Are you struggling to see how you now add value? For years, I've coached leaders who have moved beyond the comfort zone of their expertise and have developed a methodology to help them make the leap and go on to do more. All of those tips are now packed into my new book, You Can't Know It All. Visit our website at leadership-forum.com or tune in to Out of the Comfort Zone for more insight. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leading outside of your comfort zone is a delicate balance. You need new skills and new ways of working. To reach the program today, send an email to wanda.wallace at leadershipforuminc.com. That's wanda.wallace at leadershipforuminc.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. Welcome back. With me today is Jennifer Conweiler. The books that we've been talking about are The Introverted Leader in its second edition. Her latest book, Creating Introvert-Friendly Workplaces, is the one we're going to talk about right now. I should also mention that she has two others, Quiet Influence and The Genius of Opposites. And you've just heard from Jennifer that she's spent a long time, 12 plus years, studying introverts, following them around, see what their strengths are, see how they do things, see how they achieve particular goals and results and outcomes. And I think we've also sold the case that introverts can make fabulous leaders. They just may look different than an extroverted leader. So, Jennifer, what I am now fascinated by, and particularly in your last book, Creating Introvert-Friendly Workspaces, is this whole notion of the business culture. So we often say that business cultures work best for people who can jump in, take over the room, get their point heard, and speak up. 
And you should recognize those as much more extroverted kind of cultures. But that isn't necessarily what's going to support introverts. So what do we need to change in our culture, meaning our day-to-day business habits, that's going to better support our introverts? Where do we start? Yeah, well, Right, and I think you're you're asking the right question. Where do we start? You know, the culture is so ingrained in that extroverted type A sort of uh, vibe, uh, Wanda, that, you know, that's why I wrote this book. I had been focusing on individuals who were introverted leaders, encouraging them, looking at introvert-extrovert teams. You know, we looked at that level. We looked at influence leadership, as you mentioned. But yet uh, my clients and my readers, always tend to show me what the next book is or tell me. And what they shared was, you know, I'm still going back into the organization and um, it is really not supporting, uh, you know, the kind of person I am. And I'm, I'm still, you know, we've been hearing a lot of that in those diversity conversation and inclusion and equity conversations now, right? So I, right. I had thought for a long time that this is an element uh, of diversity, inclusion, and equity. And so I decided, uh, you know, to write the book and try to find out what was happening out there. And so I, I went out on a journey to, to take do an assessment because I couldn't find any information really in the, um, on starting at Google <laughs> about, you know, what, what people were saying about that. And um, then I wanted to look also at what companies were doing, where were their pockets of introvert inclusion. So it, it was very, quite revealing. And I I got over 200 uh, introverts to respond to a, a, a survey, and when they, they told me what they thought, and, it, you know, they, the percentages weren't surprising in some cases and some they were, you know, but I was able to build on that and then do more in-depth interviews. So, so what did we learn? We learned a couple of things that there, we still need to take back, uh, take another look at our seven key practices or what I identified seven key practices, you know, including hiring you know, and, and recruiting and hiring and le- learning and leadership, uh, teams, communication, the different elements that you think, you know, sort of fall in an organizational structure. And just take a look at those and say, okay, well, what could we do differently there to include, to make it not so hard for introverts to always have to flex and adapt? Because, they, by the way, they do that very well. Introverts have been doing that for years, right? And again, just as women, I'll use that analogy, as a woman who spent a lot of time in corporate America, and I'm sure you could, I would assume you'd agree with this, we have to do that as well, you know, in other groups who aren't in the dominant um, group. So what can we do? So yeah, there were like five different areas that I can go into if you'd like me to about what, you know, to be a change agent, what I saw people doing was one was they were being a voice for the quiet. So, like, really starting conversations, just like we're having today. Um, they also, secondly, address introvert needs intentionally. So, I use hiring and, and uh, as an example, you know, recruiting and hiring. You know, taking a look at our process. Are we burning people out if we're bringing them in for a day and, you know, they're not going to be their best? Or are we hiring on, is this somebody I want to have a beer with when that's not relevant to the job? You know, so just starting to ask those questions is very powerful, and the companies that are starting to do that are seeing some differences. So those are just a couple, and then involving introverts in your research, asking them, you know, it's a third area to, to look at. What what would you like in, as we go back into the office right now, right, in the workspace, some of us, some of the time, do you want to stay with remote, or would you like to go in more? What, what really suits your temperament, uh, you know, introverts? <laughs> what do you think? And... Uh, 
encourage teams to address introvert. Who's on our teams? Are we hearing from everybody in these meetings now? I think it's become very uh, apparent, glaringly apparent sometimes, that we are not hearing from everybody in the room uh, on these virtual meetings. So I heard a tip yesterday from a friend of mine who's doing research on remote meetings, and he said, no, you need to turn your cameras off because people are getting distracted. They can't really focus, and and our introverts, it'll be less stressful. So, you know, even just asking that question, is very important. And then the last area I would say that, you know, this is something that I have believed for a long time, and I'm not the only one. You know, Edgar Schein, uh, the great organizational psychologist, said, you know, of senior leaders and how we have to bring them into the conversation. And I'm very hopeful about this. Edgar Schein said of leaders, it's what they do. It's what they pay attention to and what they encourage and reward that will ultimately shape the organization's culture. And, uh, you know, so those are some of the areas that I, I think are very important to consider. I, uh, I was on a call the other day, a global summit, and I was really pleased that they included introversion in the conversation. It was on diversity and inclusion. And I was even more uh, encouraged because I suggested that we have a senior leader uh, in, included and interview me for part of it. And uh, it was a wonderful exchange. And we had high engagement. Over 1,000 people were on it. And we had the head of uh, the India uh, uh, area there who was, who was incredible and a real introverted leader himself and uh, who validated a lot of the points. And, you know, by hearing that, again, I'll bring it back to Caroline's example earlier, that goes so far in starting to change a culture. So I'm encouraged of, of where we are now. Right. I love that you keep using the word inclusion Um, where introvert and extrovert is just another thing we need to be thoughtful about and inclusive of. And I like that because the practices that we're talking about here in terms of introverts are the same practices that are going to work with women or people of color or people from different backgrounds or different socioeconomic status or different training. I mean, it's the same set of principles, and it gets a little less political, or um, touchy, I guess, when we talk about it for in a broader, much broader range. So I really love that you're saying that. I'm going to go back to well, the first Well, thank one. you, and I'm glad, I'm glad diversity inclusion folks are also, and equity folks are really seeing this, and they have for a while, but, um, you know, it's, it, it's the image of the iceberg, right, that you can't necessarily see if somebody's an introvert, but they might be really feeling left out and not included and, and disengaged. And, and what a liability. That's not just a, from a feeling standpoint. If we're losing the contributions of 40 to 60% of our population right. just because we're just not aware and we're moving around, you know, moving uh, business as usual, uh, we're going we're gonna to lose that, uh, that, that contribution. But also people are going to check out. And because people who are introverted don't speak up as much, typically, they... Uh, we'll never know it and until they leave <laughs> the organization, you know, which happens a lot. It happens right. too much. It, or, yeah, check out. I wonder if this would single-handedly solve some engagement issues, but let's not go there. Let's stay with this whole notion. About no, no, no. The- we want to stay positive. We want to stay positive. I, I did want to bring up one point just because I love the work that you do. I know you do work with leaders, but I also you are, also work with women. And mm-hmm. so I've been very interested lately in the intersectionality of introversion and other, you know, um, categories. I don't know what you'd call them, but women who are – I've been writing about women who are introverts because I work a lot in technology for a while, mm-hmm. and um, 
I guess we can chat about that with, with challenges that the introverts who are women have. They have a lot of pressure on them. So it's quite quite interesting to sort of parse that out as well and take a look. We can come back to that one. I always say that the sure, greater sure. your degrees of difference, you know, gender being one, um, a marketing person in an engineering firm, um, an introvert in an extroverted firm, the greater the degrees of difference, the more dif- the more yeah. challenging it is for you as an individual. I want to go back, though, to where you started, which you were talking about the kind of things that we need to be thinking about in our culture. And you said that people need to be mm-hmm. a voice for the quiet. And I presume that just means as a leader or an organizer or facilitator of a meeting, just every meeting, looking around, making sure that you've heard from everybody and drawing in that voice that hasn't spoken up. Do you have any other advice for how to do that? Yeah, that's that's one area. But it, again, we'll bring back that preparation and that planning. Let, let's think about our meeting. And what's the purpose of the meeting? And what do we want to accomplish? And with that in mind, as a facilitator, as a leader, we can actually structure the meeting so that we do hear from people. For instance, might it be good in this meeting to have a short breakout group with just a few people uh, where the introverts can have, I've seen this done very well lately, uh, where the introverts can have a voice and be heard and not have to jump in with everybody else. Or maybe we say to everybody, before you answer this question or the question that I sent you prior to the meeting, because you're a good preparation person too, you say to everybody, I'd like to take two minutes. I'd like you to write down your thoughts on the question. Now, mm-hmm. that in itself, you know, just taking those sort of uh, proactive steps, Wanda, will be so appreciated by the introverts, I can tell you, they will absolutely appreciate it. But you will get better output from everybody, not just the introverts. So I'd like people to think not just in the meeting. Yeah, we've got a lot of tools and examples in the book, uh, creating introvert-friendly workplaces. There's a list of them that a lot of interviewers will ask me about. I'm happy to share those, but I think the important thing is to think about what's your purpose and how can you be proactive um, in, in, like I mentioned, intentionally addressing those needs, understanding that we have all kinds of temperaments in a meeting and some people are going to respond to different techniques um, than more than others. Okay. Um, the, especially in this, should you have you heard from introverts that they have requested particular things that they have found makes their work life so much mm-hmm. more satisfying? Yeah, then those were a few that I just mentioned about preparation and letting me know uh, when we're, if we stick to the meeting kind of situation since we were, uh, you know, first of all, there are a couple of things. There are a lot, a lot of things that they say, and a lot yeah. that that is are done well. Um, but time to time to prepare. Let, tell me what you would like me to share. You know, if you are going to call on me a meeting in front of a large group of people, it might be a little off putting if I don't. It usually is if I don't know. Okay, that mm-hmm. you're going to be doing that. So if you know that you want my input on a certain idea or project, yeah, you know, spend a second, a few seconds going. We used to go by each other's desk, but now just give me a quick chat and let me know that. Um, don't interrupt me is another thing that, you know, I have a lot of don'ts, on, but also suggestions. Um, you know, really respect my time. Um, so don't just keep talking or interrupting me. This all com- mostly comes from extroverts. That interruptions mm-hmm. was one of the top concerns uh, that I got from, from introverts about, you know, and, and I, in the defense of the extroverts, I will say, 
But that's how extroverts, I have found, talk to each other. Um, if you've noticed, they sort of interrupt each other but don't take it personally. <laughs> so yes. they just do that with introverts. They are, a lot of times, extroverts are uncomfortable with pausing or silence, so they will fill the silence. But what I always suggest is, you know, take a moment, breathe, and wait. And, and as Thoreau said, nature abhors a vacuum. Somebody will will speak. Um, in the study that I did, about 30% um, of introverts said that they observed efforts to engage introverts in meetings. So to your point earlier, you know, it's really not being done. So, so do that. Use the chat. Again, we'll go back to meetings. Uh, you know, as I said, that's probably on the top of, of everybody's mind now. Um, and, you know, if we, if we switch over to teams and how our, what they're saying about teams is, you know, let's understand how we each like to work. So in the book, I mentioned uh, something that, that Google developed called the user manual, which you can Google and find it. And it's, it's a very helpful uh, uh, job aid where you write down how you like to be communicated with, when. You guys, you could set any kind of criteria on that. And it's not something you have to talk about. You just share. If you want to talk about it as a team, you can. Um, and teams also benefit when they talk about this dimension of introvert and extroversion and how I like to be uh, communicated with. Don't interrupt me, those kinds of things. You know, let me know, schedule a call with me. But a lot of these, Wanda, are common sense sort of rules. We just have to slow down and really ask, as I mentioned, ask introverts what is going to be most helpful to you in, in how we can work together. And you don't have to say, oh, Mr. and Mrs. Introvert. You know, you just say, what's going to, what's the best way to communicate with you and vice versa? This is what I need. Okay. So hopefully that you gives know, you a couple of ideas. Those are great ideas. I love that. So I love the notion that you encourage the teams to talk about it, that you have the leaders pay attention to what they're watching, what they're doing, what they're noticing and giving air to, if you will, um, that that's going to alter some of the cultures that you find you become a voice for the quiet people in the room in a host of different ways. And you ask introverts what it is they need. Okay, now suppose I don't have such an enlightened group of people around me who can be thoughtful enough to ask me what I need. Is there a way I can ask for it, or are there ways as an introvert I shouldn't ask? Ah, okay, so I think if you have, like, say, a manager who's not necessarily going to listen or a teammate, yeah. yeah. I think, you know, we talk a lot about, about having allies and having advocates, and that's why anybody in the organization, I talk about being a change agent. Um, if you're sensitive and understand introverts, you can you can speak up for each other, not in a condescending way, but just, you know, advocating for people, like, in a, you know, letting people know in the, on the team, for instance, that someone has some great input. Um, you know, we've seen this with our women learning about gender roles for many years is how our ideas get hijacked or get talked mm-hmm. over. Uh, that's an important thing to be around. You have somebody who's an ally or an advocate who can sort of stop that or at least call it out and say, oh, well, you know, I think um, I just heard, you know, Raj say something on this. Um, There have been very, a lot of creative techniques, too, now that we're doing so much virtual work to to buddy people up. Pat Waters uses a buddy technique. Pat Waters is an HR leader um, who was at, um, uh, she's at ServiceNow. She was at LinkedIn. And uh, she... She gave some great ideas in the book about what she does to, to really encourage uh, people to speak up for each other. And also, it goes also down one or two, what do we do individually to speak up? And I, you know, I write a lot about in my early work, and I still just did a new edition of um, 
of the introverted leader and what can introverts do themselves? And that's kind of what you're asking too, I think. And that is, you know, we need to push ourselves a little bit. You need to, everybody needs to push themselves a little bit. And so not that it's so uncomfortable, but to really be planful, to stay, know what you're going to say and to ask for what you need. It's part of managing up, particularly managing up with your boss or managing across with your team. It's not easy when you're not, when there's extroverts all around, but in a lot of the organizations that I work in, introverts are sort of clustered in certain areas. So it, it does become easier <laughs> to do that, you know, like in IT, for instance, where you guys can just sort of bring this up. And part of the training that I do is to kind of level set and to make people aware, as we said earlier in the conversation, of what introversion is, what it isn't. And um, let's not, you know, label, let's just have this as another lens that we can look through and uh, and use as we're navigating through this uh, work world. Right. Okay. That makes it, it, it is one more piece. And as we said at the beginning, it is a bit of a continuum. So let's not put people solidly in box A or box B. Agreed with right. that one. Right. When I talk and I'm talking about things like self-advocacy or raising profile or creating executive presence, some of those things that seem easier for extroverts in some context. The questions that I always get from the audience, and particularly from women, back to your other question, is I find it so difficult to break in. How do I get that courage to speak up? And my answer has always been, you've got to come prepared with what you want to say. But do you have any mm-hmm. better advice than that? Yeah, it, it, there, I don't know if it's better. I think your advice is is fine. I think uh, it's again, it's, we're running, we're hitting a cultural norm, right? That is every. I worked in a company like that where everybody was interrupting all the time. You couldn't get a word in, so you do it the best you can in trying to step into the fray. Uh, you, if it, that's if it's really extreme like that, you know, in some cultures it's not a negative thing. They're just that's how they're just hopped up, right? They're just they're just hyper, um, and so you try to do the best you can, but you also work your strength, you know. And I think that's where the building relationship comes in. I referenced the meeting before the meeting or building one-on-one relationships, um, so that people can listen to you and they'll. They may stop or they may say, you know, Wanda's got something she wants to say right now. But I don't think we can we can totally change into being interrupting, you know, vehicles. I mean, we do it when we can, but what we're really trying to do is change things and do it in different ways. Uh, but it is it is a challenge, and I get that question, you know, all the time. But I think we have to do uh, double down, just like we're telling managers now to double down on their contact time with people when they're home. You know, it's how important it is, how critical it is that we develop relationships. I would say the same in this case. If we really want to watch our careers grow, we have to um, push ourselves in the, in making um, connections and in getting to going, to using our depth versus breadth, doing our research on the people that we want to meet, meet, not just in our network, in our organizations, in our workplaces, but get to know them. And that's where I have seen people really jump ahead uh, Introverts who have all the respect, so much respect from so many different people because people know them. And, yeah. and one thing we didn't talk about um, yet, we may, be, we may be, but I just wanted to bring up the challenges that people mm-hmm. have, Wanda, who are introverts. It kind of relates to this. Okay. And may ahead. I speak to that just a moment? Or did you sure, want to hold off? No. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, and, and one of them is the undersell. And that relates to, you know, what I've just been saying. And so... 
if people, one way, I, I always get the question, just like you get the question about, you know, being seen, uh, it's related to visibility. It's like, how do I get myself seen in an organization? And I ask people to consider that it is about letting people know what you're up to and relate, you know, and your and the kind of projects you're working on. Um, otherwise, you're, you're just, people don't know who you are, so when the opportunity comes for, you know, an opp- a cool project or a promotion, you know, you, people go, oh, well, I never heard from her. I don't know who, I don't know who Wanda is. You know, she, she doesn't show herself around. She doesn't go to happy hour. Well, you don't necessarily have to go to happy hour all the time, <laughs> maybe once in a while, right? But, uh, uh, but what you do have to do is connect with people so they understand you know, what What kind of work you do and what interests you and a little bit about you. So I think that's one way to look at it, to get to know people one-on-one and also just share what you've been, what you've been doing. And if, if people know that, then you're going to have better opportunities when you're in those sort of intense uh, meetings to perhaps be, be, uh, be seen and recognized as well as when opportunities for career, your career come up. So I, I just wanted to bring kind of loop that, that into it. I think that's important, especially for this visibility, because it's not that you would like to be known to be the loud person in the room. You'd actually like to be known for some substance. And in that, you know, if you can get that courage to speak up, as you've been saying, and do that by building on your strength, building on the connections, building on the depth, let people know what you're thinking and what you're working on, then I think you get a reputation for substance, not just for um, outgoingness. Okay, I have to ask you one last question, and we've got two and a half minutes to answer it. And this is the second question I get all the time. You know, on an open floor plan, there's interruptions constantly. There's no space for the introverts in the room to just have that moment to decompress. What's your advice there? Well, I think it's it's both and. I mean, I think we need offices because what we're realizing now is that we have, uh, and introverts are telling me this too, by the way, we're missing the socialization. A lot of people have their friends at work. Uh, they also are missing, uh, from a work standpoint, collaboration opportunities. It's just not happening as well sometimes on Slack, right? It's, it's more that right. spontaneous, extemporaneous conversation. So what the advice is from uh, workplace design experts that I, I researched when I was writing the book, and I think it's very relevant now, is we need to create uh, space uh, choices for people. And the, I don't want to say it's good news, but I think a positive outcome of the of COVID is that we're going to have, um, we're not going to be on top of each other the way a lot of these companies had been doing to save money. You know, piling right. people in so close, no dividers, you know, all like, let's work together, come by ya. And not only was it a health risk, but uh, you're absolutely right. It was, it was a real challenge. People couldn't concentrate. They hated it. Um, yeah. But I think there's, you know, there, we need to have some of both uh, on this. So I, I'm getting asked that question a lot, and it's a it's a moving target, but let's be open to what we've learned from working from home. Right. Well, and I think I think you're right about some of the workplace design companies that have created sort of little cocoon pods, if you will. So you have a place to leave your desk and go and have that quiet, decompressed thinking time. I think there's all sorts of models we can mm-hmm. be dealing with. All right, Jennifer. What a great set of conversations. I have no idea how I'm going to summarize this one other than to say (laughs) that if you're an introvert, you have a lot of strengths from calmness and humility and depth and preparation. Use them. 
And Jennifer's talked a lot about the ways in which you can use those strengths. I would also say if you're not an introvert, if you're an extrovert, look at ways in which you can support the introverts. And I think the final thing I'll say is, you know, the practices we've been talking about here for inclusion work for everybody. That sense of getting to know people a little bit better, showing them that you care for them, making sure that their voices are heard. Those are three good starting places for just creating a better inclusive culture. So my guest today is Jennifer Conweiler. The two books that we've been talking most about are The Introverted Leader and Creating Introvert-Friendly Workplaces. There are two other books, Quiet Influence and The Genius of Opposites. Jennifer, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for your insights and for your work. And likewise, it's uh, it's been a pleasure. And uh, let's all remember, introverts rock. <laughs> Absolutely. So do extroverts. I just have to speak up for them for one moment. <laughs> okay. We'll, we'll allow I, that. <laughs> Thank right. you so much. Great. And I would also say to our listeners, check out our brand new subscription service if you would like to know more. And you can find out at outofthecomfortzone.com. Join us next week for another episode in getting out of your comfort zone. Thank you for joining us today. Tune in for another edition next week with Dr. Wanda Wallace on the Voice America Business Channel. Reach outside your comfort zone this week. Thank you.